Because, you know, we set the standard to, you know, their success. I mean, you know, with football, I mean, we're always hard on them all the time because, you know, we're trying to build character out of them. We're trying to get the most out of them just so, you know, when they get ready for their practices, uh, spring game, or even competitive seasons, you know, we're getting the most out of them to show them, you know, that you guys are here to set the standard and that I'm here to make sure. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Before going into the episode, I want to thank our sponsors, starting with the DOYSC, the Department of Young Strength Coaches. This group is designed for young strength coaches wanting to go into the field of strength and conditioning, whether that's CSCS prep, GA, or internship opportunities, or even live discussions. They are a resource for young coaches to take advantage of. I will put the link to the Discord in the description of this episode. Also, Team Builder. Team Builder is the software for performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides coaches with the elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. T-Bose is full of tools that coaches need, like multiple max training methods, 16-plus reports, evaluation testing, goal setting, to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with team builders and house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. So please be sure to like, rate, subscribe, and even share this podcast with a fellow coach or a fellow admirer. I'm your host, John Mark Raspberry, current strength coach over at Bolivar Central High School. I'm here with Brandon Quintero from, I think it's the University of Arkansas, something that I can't remember the exact name. Oh, oh sorry, Pine Bluff. Pine Bluff, that's what it was. I couldn't remember it on top of my head. You're so um, I'm going to let Brandon introduce himself and then we can actually jump into the episode. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, so uh, my name is uh, Coach Quintero. I am the Assistant Director of Sports Performance here at the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, I'm currently, you know, working with all of our female sports here, uh, soccer, volleyball, softball, and uh, women's basketball, and, of course, assistant with uh, football on the side. So lay us a foundation of your story here in strength conditioning. How did you get into it? why this college realm and um yeah let's just start there yeah okay so it goes back to you know when i first got into college well really it started when i was back in high school because you know i was so obsessed with the weight room at first you know i was pretty much like a gym freak i got into bodybuilding at first when i was playing high school ball and you know it carried on to the point where you know i wanted to pursue something within, you know, fitness. So decided to do like some kind of trains, uh, training on the side while I was playing, you know, high school ball, then, you know, carry on to when I was playing college ball down in Harrison State, down in Argadelphia, Arkansas. And I knew at some point, you know, this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And, you know, I decided to get into coaching with it. But with me graduating with a psychology degree, at Henderson, I thought, you know, I got a degree in psychology, might as well, you know, use that degree for something. And so once I got done with my bachelor's at Henderson State, I moved back to Las Vegas, where I normally was from, and wanted to do something with the degree, obviously. So I worked at a mental institution for a year down in Vegas, and 
that changed real quick because, you know, they stuck me at a, a night shift dealing with uh, 12 to 15 acute patients who are dealing with schizophrenia. And, you know, every night I was dealing with some type of um, assault from the patients. And it got to the point where I was not going to do this for the rest of my life. So decided to give my head coach a handstand call back, um, you know, talked about wanting to pursue my master's degree and not sports administration and, you know, get my foot in the door in coaching and told him that, you know, I wanted to do some of the strength and conditioning. And so he brought me back. Um, he uh, stuck me with our offensive line coach, who's now at Virginia Union, um, help with him on uh, coaching offensive line while, you know, I get to do strength and conditioning on the side. And so, you know, that's where I started my journey, really trying to get my foot in the door with coaching, uh, get familiar with, you know, how strength and conditioning works, uh, obtain my CSCS, um, learning the basics of you know, how things were ran and such. And once I finished, you know, with my master's degree down at Henderson State, um, I attempted the CSCS twice while I was at Henderson, um, did not pass. Well, actually, I failed both the first time passed the first portion the second time. And when I went up to South Dakota for my internship to learn how Olympic-based training worked, uh, I passed my second portion of the CSS the third time, and that's when I became CSS certified. Awesome, man. And that's something that I think me and you both have in common is taking multiple times at attempts at that CSS. Um Right now, I think I'm going on my sixth attempt. Um, yeah, going on the sixth attempt, and uh, it's that practical apply section. And I mean, it's it's a doozy. It it, it, it gets you. It uh, it's a doozy. So um, for anyone out there that's taking the CSCS, if you don't get on the first try, that's fine. Like as long as you keep at it. I mean, that's that's more important than trying to get all the information crammed in at one point. So. Um, yeah, for sure. So you talked about having a psychology degree. So why psychology? And what made you want to go that psychology route into going to get your master's in sports admin and then eventually being the strength coach? Well, you know, I thought psychology was a very interesting uh, degree and topic to get myself into because, you know, it kind of can help, you know, study the minds of, you know, how student athletes behave, think, and you can kind of relate to them. And it helps me the most because since I played collegiate football and was an athlete myself in college, I can relate to some of these athletes, you know, of what they're going through on a day-by-day basis, you know, with class, practice, lift, um, studying film, et cetera. I mean, they go through a lot, man. And Sometimes it can affect their mental health too. So that's something, you know, I have to look out for as a strength coach to make sure that my student athletes are, you know, okay mentally, you know, and not dealing with no other circumstances within, you know, their field sport or, or with me, of course, you know. Gotcha, for sure. So let's go into this thing. We have a few segments that uh, we are going to go through. Okay, the first segment is called Triphasic Tricks and Tips. This is where you're giving us a trick or a tip that you discovered in your own coaching experience. So this can be in the weight room, in Google Sheets, on the field, the court, just something to help other coaches. So Triphasic Tip, you know, I'm so big on, you know, eccentric um, movements with my athletes um, because when I first got hit with 
you know, the staff here at Arkansas Pine Bluff, you know, none of these kids have ever done none of the triphasic training at all or any type of, you know, training methods like that, that, you know, I've experienced in my previous um, universities. And so I teach them, you know, how to apply energy, of course, you know, slow down the movements, build tempos so that, you know, the energy that they're creating, of course, can be transformed transferred into you know the force output that I'm looking for and such and not to mention you know it helps with burying the technique and such and so stuff like that you know I kind of use like metronomes to like give them you know a chance to time their tempos and then once they hit that crucial three or four second mark for example then you know they explode out of it and we start cutting down the seconds until, you know, they can start going down the normal tempo and stuff. So metronomes kind of help, you know, a lot with, you know, training eccentric wise and all that. So what do you use for metronome? Is there an app or do you have like an actual metronome in your, in your setting? Like, Oh no, I use, you know, an app on the phone or sometimes the app gives me, you know, some trouble. I'll go on YouTube and Google or YouTube, like a 50 beats per minute metronome, you know, just the, Type saying, you know, I can get my hands on stuff, you know, because our Wi Fi here in the building ain't kind of, you know, to its top shape. So sometimes I have to cut shortcuts just to get my, my hands on metronome. Yeah, for sure, man. And trifixic training, or sorry, trifixic training is very great when we're talking about like developmental, trying to learn the movement patterns of, uh, you know, your squats, your presses, your. Uh, uh, you know, just very basic movements. And, you know, that's something because I work in the high school sector, right? Okay. So we we got anywhere between 14-year-old boys to 18-year-old athletes, you know, and we, and that, what, I've, what I've seen is that um, oftentimes, you know, these younger athletes are very like uh like a newborn deer right they're they're very slow in their own movement you know it takes them a little bit to understand some of these movements so things like try try fix it training you know going through the eccentrics and isometrics and concentrics and really honing in on some of those movements are really key in you know that aspect there and I, i'm sure it's the same way with college athletics you know i'm sure you've seen athletes that came from really good strength programs but also some that came from not as maybe they didn't have the resources but not high schools that did not have uh someone in there teaching them you know basic fundamental patterns and movements so um that's really awesome there so let's go into our heavy train topic so the main topic that we're going to be talking about today is your road and just life as a college strength coach right so we always a lot of guys, a lot of people out there really want to make it big in the college sector, right? They right. want to, they want the big job. They want to be a director or whatever, okay, in the college realm. It's not always sunshine and rainbows in the college realm. So talk to us about the pros and cons, uh, where you're at and where you see it, like the college realm going forward. Pros and cons. So, I mean... Some of the cons that, you know, I've encountered so far in my career as a collegiate strength coach is a lot of people, you know, want to, you know, of course, chase that tile, chase that logo, you know, just because, you know, you want to get to like 
a big name school like Alabama or the University of Texas and stuff, you know, you got to take your time to, you know, get yourself into the world and get more of the experience and, you know, work more along with the collegiate athletes and such, because, you know, some of those coaches that are at these universities have done it for like more than 20 years. And that's how, you know, they stay in those positions because, you know, they're so well experienced and know they're damn good. While we coaches like myself are so young and trying to get more knowledge within ourselves to, you know, do things the right way and not create shortcuts to where, you know, we're trying to train the perfect athlete and get them to, you know, to the point where, you know, we're going to be an explosive team, uh, more powerful, and just dominate your opponent on the field and such. So a lot is just, you know, be patient with the process, take what you're giving, um, wherever you're at, you know, just build your resume up, stay longer for like two or three years is what I'm aiming for. And then moving on to another, you know, university to where I can start proving myself, I can build with myself within. And then, you know, continue to, you know, show them that you can land yourself into a director role and can lead and you can lead your own program one of these days, of course. Yeah, and I think that's something that a lot of younger coaches really got to hone in on. And I talked about a couple of times on here that we're so eager to go from point A to point B, right? Mm -hmm. We forget about the process in the middle. And I'm guilty of this too, because in the high school uh in the high school realm, I mean, there's not many director of strength conditioning jobs, if any, really. And especially in uh there's a few states out there that they're they're so far behind and you know, athletic performance and training conditioning that it's, you know, it's going to take a while. So, you know, in the college setting, you know, it's a little bit further, but, you know, they have a lot more resources and, you know, money's getting kind of poured into some of these universities and colleges, some more than others, right? You know, the University of Alabama is getting way more money than, you know, a rinky-dink, you know, NAIA or community college, right? That that just makes sense. Um, so, what else is out there for people that want to go into training conditioning in the college sector? I know that, you know, not everyone can have the D1 jobs. So what else is out there for other coaches to explore? Uh, you know, explore. I mean, shoot, what can be there to explore? Um, well, I mean, you obviously love what you do. I mean, you love being, you know, a coach in the weight room. You love helping kids out and stuff. I mean, so just because it's not a division one job, you're still doing what you're loving to do. I mean, you're getting a good opportunity to go to, you know, let's say a division two school, like where I was at Pitt State University. I mean, they had, you know, top notch D1 facilities and stuff, but I mean, you know, I was able to still enjoy what I was doing, work with kids, you know, getting to know them better, uh, build relationships and, you know, just working to getting them better and such. And so that's something that they, you guys should be exploring too, is, you know, doing what you're passionate about, giving back to um, the kids and, you know, of course, helping them succeed and getting them to where they want to go in their lives, where they, you know, get into their future careers or families and whatnot. Right. And I think that's such a big point into coaching just in general that you got to build these relationships with 
your athletes, you know, you know, whether that's, you know, that's beyond, you know, the barbell, the sets, the reps, the, the sport, whatever, the field of court, you know, it's, you know, relationships that you're going to build for the rest of their lives and hopefully for the rest of yours as well, that they are calling you one day saying, hey, um, I need either a reference or I need some advice. I need, you know, uh, I, w- I want some help or whatever, you know, they should be able to reach out to you for some of those things as well. So explain a little bit or talk to us a little bit about that, about like building relationships. How do you build relationships with your athletes? Well, you know, when I got here, I mean, some of the sports coaches I have talked about before I even got to meet my kids here, they had gone through, you know, so many strength coaches. I think I'm like the third or fourth strength coach that these kids have had. And, you know, they really don't have much relations with their strength coaches because, you know, they're gone within like six months, maybe within a short time of the year. And so with me being permanently here for you know a good while, I wanted to make sure that, you know, I got to build quality relationships with them, you know, have means with them, get to know them one-on-one and, you know, just find out what they like to do and, you know, what suits them and, you know, what kind of style of training do they like and such and make sure that, you know, it fits their settings and, you know, that the home team, the whole team can, um, you know, come together on and, you know, not reject it. And so, you know, you know, as a strength coach, we spend more time with the kids and, you know, their sports coaches and such. And I think, you know, it's a great way to, you know, have those moments because like I said, you get to build more relationships with them, get to know them a little more and, you know, just have fun with them, you know, with my female athletes and of course with the football guys down at the field house, I enjoy being around them. I mean, they're a fun group of kids, you know, they don't give me no issues. Yeah. I mean, there may be a little headaches now and then, but you no, know, that's, that's what's what comes with the uh, coaching. I mean, you love the kids and you know, that's what you gotta do. Give back. Right. Exactly. And I kind of wanted to talk about, we're going to go down a rapid hole here. Okay. So um, there's been like discussions talking about that the strength coach is the most influential person in this, in a athletic part, you know, in the athletic program. So uh, I want to hear your thoughts. Do you think that's true? Especially at the college realm, because you talked about or said that like you're there with them a lot more than some of their sport coaches are. You know, you spend a lot of time with them. Do you think that strength coaches are the most influential person in the athletic program? I believe we are because, you know, we set the standard to, you know, their success. I mean, you know, with football, I mean, we're always hard on all the time because we're, you know, we're trying to build character album we're trying to get the most album just so you know when they get ready for their practices uh spring games or even competitive seasons you know we're getting the most out of them to show them you know that you guys are here to set the standard and that i'm here to make sure that you guys get every inch out of it so you guys can you know be successful within the seasons and whatnot so i mean I do agree that we are the most influential persons in that room and that we do set a high standard to giving the athletes, you know, what we tell them to do and what we want out of them, give them the best that they can. Yeah. And I agree with that 
because like you if you're spending let's say you know we we have an eight hour day right from um or a 10 hour day or whatever 12 hour days depends on what day it is and how many teams you're working with you know whatever let's say you're there at eight o'clock in the morning till i don't know four o'clock at you know that afternoon i mean you're seeing softball and football and baseball and all these different sports but their sport coach is only seeing them for maybe you know an hour or so out of that day you know depending on the class schedules especially in college right everyone's got a different class schedule some you know athletes got night classes some got the 8 a.m 7 a.m classes that they got to leave morning workouts to go to like you know I, I do think that we are strength coaches are the most influential person because we're at the center of pretty much everything That's so true, yeah. so where what do you what are your thoughts about that being like in the center of everything because you're not only just a strength coach right you're uh, you you play multiple hats, right? You're a mentor, you're a teacher, you're an educator at one point because you have to educate athletes to do certain movements and, you know, know the why behind things. So let's talk about that for a little bit. So what is it like being in the center of basically the athletic program? Well, when I first started out with that, when I, you know, got to realize, you know, that we are the center of, know the um was it the program it's kind of overwhelming because you know you got all these responsibilities like you're mentioning being a mentor being a good role model um educator i mean it can be you know very overwhelming for a coach to you know handle some stuff like that but you know this is my almost four years doing this and you know with much practice that you're putting yourself into these situations with my internship and graduate assistantship you know, it prepared me to, you know, prepare for those types of roles and stuff. And, you know, uh, how can I say this? You know, being it, it's very, all I can say it is very overwhelming and important to, you know, have those responsibilities because, you know, you're, it's what the kids look up to you, you know, I would say. They look up to you because you are the center of the program. Right. And, you're talking about like it could be overwhelming, right? As a teacher myself at the high school level and being a sport coach and a strength coach, right? Mentally, it started to wear you down. It can wear you down pretty quickly in, in this college sector. I bet it's almost the exact same way to where, you know, it's just – it's not, not even thing physically. Like it's all a mental thing, right? You, it's just mentally day in, day out, day in, day out. Um, if you want – I know people don't like calling it a grind, but that's the kind of the best way I can describe it. It's, you know, it's it's almost a grind to get through some of these things in there. Uh, what do you do in order to keep yourself almost sane? I'm I know that you um, you started recently posting, you know, your workouts and you know living heavy, you know lifting heavy and stuff like that. So what else do you do to kind of keep yourself in check? I mean, you know, in my office, I'm always, you know, on YouTube watching, you know, you know, lifting videos, you know, how strength coaches are, but, you know, researching more topics that can help me as a coach to implement my programming, um, you know, listening to the music, you know, I'm a 90s guy. I love like the Alice in Chains and Nirvana. So I'm always, you know, bumping that up in my office, you know, listening, relaxing and, you know, just pounding down some caffeine energy drinks just to keep me awake man because you know how my days are i'm getting up at 
because I live an hour away from Pine Bluff. I live south of Little Rock. And so I have to give like almost four o'clock every single day, drive an hour to work, make sure I'm here at 530 before football starts at six, and then grind it out all the way until 5 p.m. where I have my women's basketball team last. So basically it's almost like a 12 or 14 hour day. That's crazy, man. That's great. I I can't imagine being well at high school. Say I'm there for ten hours a day. So, mm-hmm. You know, some days I do track as well. So like I kind of understand that um, that's that almost grind of you know you gotta get up a lot earlier than you know someone else that lives like twenty minutes away from campus. And you know these athletes are literally within walking distance of yeah, from where they are in the dorms to and um, the you know to the weight room whatever so um also you talked about you know pumping caffeine and everything like that um i used to be the exact same way right Mm -hmm. i had to get up early because i live or yeah i live 45 40 ish minutes from the school that i teach so understand you had to get up a little bit you had to get up a little bit earlier to get you know to campus and all that stuff so um one thing that like i guess this is kind of a shameless plug as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Missy Mitchell Macbeth and Tim Kindering, they have the conditioning cohort going on right now. And uh, I'm currently in it right now. And it's kind of a shameless plug, but like I used to be a big caffeine energy drink, you know, busting through, trying to just make it through a day and uh, done their cohort and currently in it right now. And I feel a ton better. So yeah. uh, I think that's something that like, coaches that you know are just trying to get through a day should do because like that conditioning cohort is so good on your heart health and just overall health right mentally physically just overall good so um i guess it's a suggestion go and check that out because you know they're really great they're great people and they've done a really good job with that conditioning cohort i don't have to look into that yeah because i mean I don't like the pound of caffeine every single day. I mean, I mean, it got to the point where, you know, it started affecting my health a little bit, to be honest. So I kind of cut back on it a little bit. But that condition cohort does sound very interesting. So I'm kind of looking at ways to get around, you know, the caffeine. And, you know, that is a spike in my interest. So I'll definitely have to look that up after this. Right, for sure, man. I'll send you information about it too. But, like, I came on there and, you know, I'm not one to do – you know, conditioning. I, I never liked it. I, even as a high schooler, as a middle schooler, as a college athlete, and now as a coach, I had never liked conditioning. Um, you know, I always, I thought it made me feel bad and maybe, you know, had, you know, the wrong dosage, whatever, for, you know, the sport I was playing to play football. But, you know, they're there to like educate people, to, you know, educate coaches through self-practice. You know, you should be able to feel what your zone two would feel like. You should be able to feel what your max heart rate, you know, your zone vibe should feel like. So that's, um, I'll send you that information because that's a great resource. And it's definitely helped a lot of coaches. And I think it would help you as well. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, definitely send me that. Uh, Let's kind of talk about more college life. So you're saying you go through that 14, 12, 14 hour day. So what does that day exactly look like? So let's see. Like I said, I get here before 530, make sure, you know, wall, 
you know, standing up for football, 6 a.m. Uh, let's see, how was this week? So 6 a.m., they're on the field doing mat drills. That normally takes up an hour of, you know, them being on the field. 7 o'clock hits, um, you know, we gather up, talk about a few things, and then 7.15 comes. They got 15 minutes to kind of get ready and relax. 7.30, 8.15, 9.30 football lifts. Sometimes 10.45 if I'm there, but sometimes I have volleyball at 11. So I'll leave for that. Lunch, lift if I can within, you know, a certain spout, a short amount of time because I have soccer some days at 2 o'clock and then finish up my lift if I have to wrap things up and in the office, relaxing, recovering a little bit, time to myself, and then women's basketball at 5 p.m. And they're normally done, since it's in season right now, they're normally 30 minutes in and out. So finish around 5.30, pack up, leave around 5.45-ish, don't get home to like 7, 7.30-ish. And then right back to bed, starting the day over again. <laughs> so do you go weekends as well to like, do you work through the weekends and do you have that Sunday to Saturday kind of job? So uh, Saturday and Sunday, I normally have off. I mean, it's good that I have those days off because I mean, I'm sleeping most of those weekends just to get back my sleep realm and all that. But um, when basketball is uh, in town and stuff and we have games here and stuff, I'll come back to the school on Saturday, make sure I know I'm warming them up and, staying for their game, supporting them and all that. So, like, tomorrow will be their senior night uh, against Alcorn State. So, be back up here before 3, get them stretched up and, you know, spend some time with the seniors before they play and, you know, enjoy the, watching them dominate that game. <laughs> so, how important is it that we get to be at their games? Well, it's like I, you know, mentioned at the, you know, middle of our, you know, conversation is being support for the kids. I mean, you're trying to build relationships with them. I mean, you get to know the kids so well, you enjoy being around them and all that stuff. I mean, it's very important that you go to their games and, you know, be supportive and, you know, show them that you are, if you really care for them, that you're seeing them in action and stuff. I mean, they practice, you know, all this time during the summer, even preseason for, you know, this chance or in season and you know you want to see all the work that they put in with you and with their sports coaches and so I mean it's good to you know see all the hard work that they're putting on the courts and even and even on the field so really just being supportive and of course you know being a role model to them of course being like a right. parent, being like a parent life figure right and I mean like we get to be there you know one is we prepare them physically all yeah. year round, you know, the off season, the preseason, even the in season, like we prepare them year round. So we want to see the product of them being able to perform well in their sport. Um, also looking at things like minimum risk of injuries. And, you know, if um, we're seeing that, like, you know, when they land or anything like that, you know, especially like jumping sports like volleyball or basketball, you know, if they start having knee valgus, you know, that's something in the back of our minds we're saying, okay, well, we need to probably implement some more things to kind of clear up that so they can, you know, minimize that injury. So, exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. So uh, talking about injuries as well, uh, what are you doing in your own program to help minimize injuries between your sports? 
Well, you know, since I've gotten here, I mean, we have gone through a uh, situation where, you know, we are looking for an athletic trainer and our head athletic trainer, you know, just um, resigned on us and we are dealing with a, a graduate assistant trainer right now. And, you know, sometimes it's very hard for my athletes to get the treatment that they need and with that being a concern for me, I am having to implement like pre-rehab corrective exercises sometimes at the beginning or end of my workouts, just so I'm making sure that, you know, those injuries that they're dealing with doesn't nag on or aggravate them in practice or especially in the games and such. Since I've done that, I've had no serious injuries to my sports teams, including women's basketball, like no knee injuries. Thank God I'm praying on that. Um, I will have to say, like, the only knee injury I had was last fall with one of my soccer players. She uh, tore ACL, but it was a contact injury. She got crossed up with another player and it just snapped on her. And it's something, you know, that's out of our reach. But, you know, with the lower injury that I've had with my sports teams, it shows that, you know, what I've done to kind of be like a trainer to them in the weight room, but also being their strength coach at the same time. It's really been really effective on my end, making sure that, you know, my athletes are staying healthy and um, staying strong to the minimum during, you know, the season before, you know, it ends. So you were talking about that prehab, rehab, corrective exercises. So what do y'all do specifically for your athletes? So like knee stuff, you know, Spanish squats, TKEs, um, leg extension holds, isometric holds, you know, uh, ankle bands, of course, you know, making sure we're doing flexion work, mobility work, even some strengthening isometric works on the ankle. So we are not, you know, my basketball athletes are not rolling their ankles and such and, you know, making sure that they got full mobility and such. Gotcha. And that always interests me about the rehab side of things. I went through the athletic training program at my alma mater. So learning things like those prehab, rehab kind of exercises and worked in the PT time um, mm-hmm. for a little bit. So um, it's always interesting to kind of look at some rehab, some prehab stuff that coaches get to do. Oh, yeah. And I know that it's been a heated topic about, you know, coaches should or shouldn't uh put like pre pre rehab exercises in their programs and such, but I guess it just depends, you know, your situation. So like with my situation, of course, you know, we're not having a trainer. My girls are not getting no sore treatment. It was appropriate for me to incorporate that in my programming. So like I'm saying, none of their injuries are getting, you know, aggravated and I'm kind of helping it minimize it a little bit so it doesn't affect their sport play. Right. So like if we take a look at like the scope of practice from a strength coach perspective, right, we're not mm-hmm. supposed to be doing, you know, the athletic training job. You know, the sports medicine side is not really our side, no, but we but we know a little bit of how to correct or almost help prevent the risk of injuries for right. some of our athletes, which is also our scope of practice. You know, we are there to minimize that risk of injury. That's our job. Now, you, you want to go to the whole sports medicine side, you know, that's different. You know, that's yeah. that's way that's way off. You know, that's off our scope of practice. But, like, 
being able to prescribe exercises or do things in order to help minimize those injuries. So that risk of injury is within our scope of practice. That's, you know, not taking anything away from ATs, but it is, you know, we should have a little bit of knowledge about how to do some of this stuff. It's like nutrition, right? Yeah. Outside of our scope of practice, you know, there's nothing that we should not be prescribing meal plans and stuff like that for anyone because, you know, that's not in, that's not in our scope of practice, but yeah. you know, I haven't, you know, we have enough knowledge to where like, well, yeah, you need, you know, uh, 1.2 grams of kilogram per body weight for of protein. Like, you, you yeah, know, there's like, some basic that's stuff that's that you need to know. So uh, kind of want to ha- highlight that because like, that's, that's huge. Uh, especially not have the AT and we're in the same situation here. You know, um, our AT got fired, uh, I think before school started. And so, you know, football season, we didn't have any ATs and, you know, how to kind of pick up that role almost. And the fact that, you know, if we don't have ATs, well, we're, we're going to get the closest to what we got, but within our own scope of practice. Yeah. Yeah, both our situations right there. Yeah, it, it's a bit frustrating too. But I mean, you're in a situation where you can't control it. So I mean, you just got it's not it's not gonna be forever. It's just a temporary deal until you know they find somebody to you know get that person replaced. So you know, it's just something you have to push through. <laughs> right, and I mean, like that's something in training condition that we gotta be. I mean, we gotta be flexible. We gotta be adaptive. You know. Yeah. Uh, there's situations that always happen that, you know, it just comes out of nowhere. You know, you, you, there's some things you just can't plan for. Oh, yeah. We get those a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's just something, you you know, it happens. Um, kind of wrapping up things here. So um, let's talk about the conjugate coach spotlight. So, is there a coach out there that you feel like is making a difference that you're really looking up to or, and, or someone that you just want to shout out in the industry of strength conditioning? You know, I've really been keeping my eyes on Zach DeCant, uh, DeCant from uh, TCU. I mean, he is so well known out into the strength world, especially, you know, how he does his program with baseball and, you know, his style of programming, I can't get enough of it. I'm sure any coach in this nation can't get enough of his material. I mean, it's just point on. It's very knowledgeable. And, you know, he's doing something over there. And so that's someone I really look up to. And um, another coach that I've been looking up to for basketball side is uh, Zach Sinell for uh, the women's basketball coach for the University of Texas. I'm sure you've seen his material. He's starting to post a lot of, you know, his uh, in-season hip recovery works. I'm obsessed with the hip recovery works he's been doing because my girls have, like, you know, very tight hips. I've, you know, been trying to work with his style that he's been doing with the Texas girls. I mean, it's very helpful. I like it. It's effective. I apply it to my girls. They see, they love it. It's starting to notice some changes in their bodies. And that's those are the two coaches I can't get enough of. I mean, they put some awesome material out there. Yeah, for sure, man. And that's something that uh, I, I think that uh, is really changing the strength and conditioning, right? 
And, you know, these are people that are willing to share their information now. They post it out for, you know, everyone to see. And another guy that I kind of, you know, keep an eye on is Joey Caraccio with yep. his speed and agility, change of direction stuff that he just puts it out there for everyone to view. And, I mean, it, it's great stuff, man. And that's what I like about those types of coaches because, you know, we're all in the same field together. I mean, it's good to share, you know, your knowledge and, you know, some of the workouts you're doing with your athletes to other coaches so it can help them too. And, you know, that's why I'm very grateful that some of these coaches are in our lives because it helps us become better coaches and eventually gets us to where we want to be in our own careers, you know? <laughs> right. And, I mean, it. you know, you don't have to take everything that they have. Yeah. In their own program, but you could take little pieces there. It's like, but in training condition, nothing's new, right? No. It's all been kind of regurgitated at this point. So you could take a little program here, take a little piece that you like here and put it in your own. And, you know, and by the end of, you know, taking all these pieces, you got your own program. Exactly. But I mean, don't just like take their stuff and create, I mean, Put, put in your program and say it's your own. I mean, kind of be creative with it a little bit, you know? I mean, see what they're doing, get an idea of it, and be creative in your own little mind, you know? Right. I mean, like, put your own spin on things, man. Like, exactly, yeah. And there's some things, like, there's some coaches out there that have, like, the bare minimum, like maybe barbells, a few dumbbells, and, you know, some weights, and that's all they got. So, mm -hmm. you know, you got to do speed training. You got to do... Your strength training, you gotta do change of direction, all stuff. But with the bare minimal, I mean, there's some coaches out there that they had to get creative. You have to, because if you don't, I mean, one, your athletic performance could suffer, but two, you know, that could lead to injuries for athletes as well. True. Yep. I agree. Hmm. All right, man. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and kind of wrap it up here. So, thank you again, Brandon, for coming on and kind of get the chalk. Chop it up a little bit about strength conditioning, college athletics, and diving down some uh, rabbit holes here and there. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you coming on, man. Of course. Thank you for having me, man. Anytime. And that's another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Please follow our social media platforms at Conjugate Chat Podcast on Twitter and TikTok. Also follow Brandon on his social medias as well. In the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today.